well. We're podcasting. We're having fun. And uh, I'm just going to start out my show with a, a recent review that I got. Remember, I told you if you if you posted a review of my show, I would read it on air. So uh, this was Jason Graham, my good buddy. Uh, he did a review of my show. He said, this is uh, one of my almost daily go-to podcasts. Great guests, deep research, and fun info. He is accessible to fans, entertaining to listen to, and really just has a conversation with people. Love the down-to-earth vibe and the awesome guests he has. So shout out to Jason for that awesome review. Uh, make sure to check out his son's band, Yes Devil, uh, up-and-coming rock band. So great stuff. So thank you. Um, speaking of podcasts, my guests today, they have their own podcast. It's called The Parents' Lounge, and it's a fun show about them being dads, and you should check it out. So Jamie Kaler and Jason Gowan, they're here today. Jamie is a comedian and actor. Jason uh, does some acting as well and also is a paranormal investigator. And he has another day job that's really interesting that he'll get to in this episode. And this was just, this was a really fun episode for me. Uh, probably the most fun I've had in a while. Sometimes it can be stressful having two people on the show because you, you don't know who to talk to, but they made it fun for me because they're used to working together. They have good chemistry with each other. So I felt like I was, I benefited from that. So it made my job easier. And again, I just had a lot of fun and I hope you guys enjoy it too. So here we go. All right. Well, welcome Jamie Kaler and Jason Gowan. How are you guys doing? Good. Hello. It's always fun when I get two people. It's a little more of a challenge, but it's also could be more fun too. So, I always find it makes it easier because then if there's only two, every time you stop talking, the yeah. other person really has to start talking. But with three, you can kind of just rest in the back and let the other two take it. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you guys could just do your podcast, and I could just sit in the background. And well, do you have kids? We, we, we just- John, no, do I don't. I don't have kids. No, but I, so I mean, I, we're, we're thinking about doing that, you know, at some point. And, uh, once I get my career settled and I, uh, start making money off this podcast or something, but, uh, yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm listening to some episodes of your podcast and I feel like it's like, you get like one or two directions from people who are, have kids. They either say, Oh, it's so great. I love my kids. Or you're like, don't do it. Don't have kids. It's horrible. It'll ruin your life. And so you guys seem to be a little bit more of the, Oh my God, it's terrible. There's a lot of like fear. Well, comedy is tragedy plus time. So you need a tragedy <laughs> to get everything. Yeah. Rolling. But listen, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. And it's the most painful thing that's ever happened in either of our lives. But what's the other option? Just to, you know, keep doing the same crap over and over again. And just, you know, you know. It's, and then there's like a good... Yeah, there's another like a good chance that you'll end up the creepy old guy on your street that's yelling to the kids to get off your lawn. Yeah, right. You're, you're a predator at that point. My buddy, he was. Uh, I have a really good friend who was. Uh, he was really debating. Like he and his girlfriend were close, and he's like, "I just don't know if I'm ready for kids." And I said, uh, "Yeah, I get it." And he goes, "But he, but he goes. The problem is without having kids, everything else is just pointless." <laughs> I go. I go, yeah, pointless is way more fun and easy and less responsibility. But again, it's pointless. So it I, sounds you know, like it, there's a lot of like high highs and low lows. Like there's those times where like the kid looks at you and like says something, you know, inspiring or like, you know, and it's just like this like teary moment, like this uh, sharing emotion. You're like, oh, the, my kid loves me. This is so magical. And then like an hour later, you're having to clean up shit off the floor or something like that. 
Yeah, you just you just summed up parenthood in, in one phrase. Literally, you did. Well, yeah, except um, he said he said there's lots of high highs and oh, lots of okay. low lows, and I would argue there's lots of low lows. There are a few high highs, and the few high highs are strong enough that they get you through the twenty three and a half hours of low lows. Okay. I took my kids to school this morning, and it was a pain in the ass. They were like, it was like two. It was hours of just pain of like trying to get them to eat, to get dressed, to put sunscreen on, to brush. I, I, I had to watch her brush her teeth. She was like, bruh. I go, really? That's how you're going to brush it? We had a huge fight over brushing her teeth. Super painful to the point where I was like, what do I care? They're your teeth. I don't care if they rot out of your head. That's a you problem. <laughs> That's how the fight ended. And she's like, whatever. And I go, whatever. She's eight. And then when I dropped, you know, it was like, uh, you know, if she was a grown man, I, we probably would have gone to fisticuffs at that point. But when I finally dropped her off at school, she reached into the front seat and gave me a big hug and a kiss. And I was like, okay, all right. So it was 90 <laughs> minutes of hell, 15 seconds of, oh, she's cool. <laughs> so the math is okay. off. The math is off. It, it's there somewhere. So what would make it better then? What, like if I if I do become a parent, how do I make it because Jason I think you have twins right so that's got to be like way harder (laughs) so here's the thing um yeah they're they're they work I basically am raising two raptors I mean I I have raptors (laughs) and and they and you can't take your eye off one or the other one attacks so like they would distract you and I feel like I'm Chris Pratt in Jurassic World like I got my hands up and trying to protect myself you don't know like when we just had the older son our five-year-old we managed okay but now they outnumber us uh and and unfortunately like I've got about two months before they're going to be able to overpower me three on one and like I've only survived this long because I keep a, a pocket full of Teddy Grahams, and I'll just toss them out onto the ground, and they pounce on them like like tigers. I'm totally picturing that like first scene in the first Jurassic Park, where the guy's like he's hunting, and then he's like he looks over and he's like clever girl, and then he just gets destroyed. That's gonna be you. It sounds like that's that's I call that Tuesday. That's what I do. <laughs> wow. See, this is not a good sell on having kids. This is why I'm hesitant. This is why I've waited so long. Oh, I don't think you but should. Here, here's the, thing. the other <laughs> right. thing on twins is that, like, if they do the dual twin hug, I, I mean, I'm, I am, I, uh, I, I cry. I, I just like it's the best, most, most magical, amazing thing in the entire world. Like little fairies are sprinkling pixie dust everywhere. It's amazing, and those moments, though fleeting, uh, are totally worth the parent like nightmare that is the rest of it are they worth it though are they jason (laughs) are they worth it do you think on a seesaw the scales of justice do they equal out or is it just i feel like it's it's a little hellish no here's right it's hellish it's hell- it's horrible. what who has the uh oldest kid who's the oldest kid up between both of you I have an eight-year-old. So that's that's the oldest, okay? Because that's still kind of a, a tough age. And then the teenage—I worked in the schools for seventeen years. I work with teenagers. That's going to be really bad. Horrible. Yeah. I, so my eight-year-old has already started this thing where she just scowls at me, and she doesn't speak. I'll ask her a question, and she'll just go. And I go, "You better start talking. If you don't, I go this quiet thing. I'm not. I'm over it." 
You better listen to me. I'm going to take your style. Like, she's playing a video game. I just rip it out of her hands, and I, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. She's, like, totally, you know, she's got that power of just ignoring you, and you're like, dude, quit ignoring me because I'm, I'm about to, I always say that. I, I she, she laughs because I always go, I'm about to melt down, Hannah. If you don't, I'm going to lose it in about two seconds if you don't pull it together. And then uh, she finally was like, okay, dad, or whatever. So what happens if you melt down? Do you yell at her or do you? Oh, I've screamed at the top of my lungs. I've scared. They told me they're scared of me somewhat because they won't do one thing their mother says. And I, so I talked to them and I said, hey, listen, you won't do anything your mother says, but you kind of do what I tell you. And, and the little one goes, that's because we're scared of you. And I said, good, you should be. Because honestly, I don't know what I'll do, man. It's like in Bull Durham when the pitcher, he goes, just hit the mascot, throw the ball and hit the mascot. He goes, what are you talking about? Trust me. Because the pe- the guy standing in the box needs to know that there's danger ahead, and that's right. how you keep them in check. So you're the scary parent. It's, it's easy. It seems like there's either one or the other, the mom or the dad. Some people have a scarier mom than a dad. Oh, absolutely. My mother, yeah, my mother was way. My father was all bluster. He was uh, all yell and bluster, but he never touched me. My mother was the one you were scared of. Like if my mother was vacuuming, she'd just crack you with the vacuum. She didn't care. <laughs> oh God. The sad thing is I am the scarier parent, but I'll also hit a child with a choke slam uh, or a power bomb just randomly just to let them know I can still take them out. Wow. So like, can we talk about you guys? Like, the, your, you kind of come from humble beginnings, though, if we could just shift gears a little bit and talk about your beginnings. Because you both, like, I think, uh, Jamie, you you were you went to, uh, uh, you were like in Razi and you were bullied and and now you're like this TV wasn't star. wasn't bullied? You said the only that people who weren't bullied were bullies, but they probably got bullied by somebody else, and that's why they became bullied. But yes, I was I was a redhead, so of course I was bullied. You weren't comfortable I, in your own skin, is what you said, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've ever been comfortable. And is anybody anytime I see anyone who's that comfortable in their own skin, I'm always like sociopath. That person's got to be a sociopath. Well, you're able to at least I fake it. Fun. Yeah, I oh, I learned how to fake. Okay, it that's well. what it is. Good. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, what were you saying, Jason? No, I said I look like the love child of Danny DeVito and Jack Black. So, like, I uh, absolutely got bullied. Yeah, and you had a, and you had a tough relationship with your father, right? Isn't that, I heard you talking about that as well. Yeah, he and he's not a fan of me so much. Uh, I was never, I was never the super jock that he wanted. Like, I always wanted to do like the school play and stuff like that. And I was into superheroes, and he hated all that stuff. Uh, so there was a complex complex dynamic there that continues even now well does anybody's kid do what they want them to like i tried to get my daughter to play soccer she's like man i don't want to do that i was like oh really she's like i wanted like they never no nobody's kid ever i always love when parents are like i want you to do this you're like what do you care they're not you right let them do what they want to do but you know people get caught up no i know that's what i i say when i want to have kids i want to i want to raise them to be like seahawks fans like uh, like you know other parents tell me oh good luck they're gonna they're gonna do whatever they want they're gonna do whatever they want they already at eight my daughter's like doing whatever she wants it's cool yeah yeah so yes can it get to a point where we can talk about other stuff i think i feel like it's sometimes jason i'm kind of done it's so funny like i just dropped the kids off at school and i'm already like we're like 10 minutes into this time like I'm done with those kids. I'm done talking. And we were talking about my albums coming out. Like Jason and I have been doing the show for a while. And each week we really catch up on uh, on the kids. 
And then it was like, hey, we're doing somebody else's podcast. And then we started talking about kids again. I was like, damn it. <laughs> well, it is interesting for me. I want to think yeah. about, obviously, you got Star Wars poster over your shoulder. You got some Abbey Road up there. Well, yeah, you go. You guys both have really interesting careers. So, Jamie, you, you obviously, you know, we talked a little bit off air about the your IMDb credits, all your acting and stuff. So how did you get into that? Because I think you you said you did also like over, is it 100 commercials? Oh, probably two two 250 by this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done a lot of commercials. So I was, uh, I went to college. I went to Boston University on an ROTC scholarship. I got out. I had to serve time to pay them back. That's how I did it, but mm-hmm. no college debt. So it was kind of cool. And I had a great time. I got stationed in San Diego. I served five years. And when I got out, I didn't care. I was like, I just got a job bartending. I didn't want to do anything. Hmm. I lived on the beach in San Diego. And my friend was in an improv group and he said, you're pretty funny. You should come. And so I went to this improv group and I fell in love with uh, theater. And uh, Was that the one that you did in like, the back of a brewery or something? Like, with Yeah, the... we did in the back of a brewery. That sounds awesome. At, at uh, Pacific Beach Brewing Company. Kind of learned my chops there and then you know joined a theater company and started working right out of the shoot. I booked a, like the very first audition I ever went on was a SeaWorld commercial and I ended up booking it and made a ton of money. And I was hmm. like, this is the easiest job ever. And then, of course, it's not the easiest job ever. It's actually like the most competitive job that's ever happened on Earth. But, uh, you know, I would say acting is high highs and low lows. More so than like parenthood oh, okay. is some high highs, a lot of low lows. Right. But uh, acting is when you have highs. I mean, booking my boys and working with Gene Wilder on Will and & Grace. And, and some of the shows I shot were just insane and doing live comedy shows. I mean, Jason will say the same thing about traveling and doing his shows and stuff. There's nothing about getting, you know, when you get up in front of an audience, it's just, it's the drug of choice. It's so great. That's amazing. It really is. Yeah. It's, 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 it's addicting. Yeah. So Jason, then your career's, uh, it's different. You were, this is fascinating to me though. You're mentored by George Lutz, the guy who, uh, for people who listen to my show should know because I've had uh, Jeff Belanger on and we've talked about Amityville Horror. He's the the dad husband, the real guy, not the actor or whatever from Amityville Horror. So how Correct. how did he like mentor you? I don't I don't understand. Did, did he have a career in the so, paranormal or Well, no, he so after everything happened with him and the, all of the uh you know, all the things got to be too much and he stepped back from the public eye for like 25 years. And when uh, just before the Ryan Reynolds movie came out, he started like going back out there and talking about his experiences and what happened. And I had something happen on a uh, routine ghost hunt uh, where I got violently pushed into a wall. And I at that point, I was done. I didn't want anything to do with ghost hunting. I, I was done with the paranormal. I, I was like, it's all fun and games till somebody throws a fat kid. And on that day they, they tossed me and I'm like, no, it's then this is not okay. But I had done this documentary um, with a company out of Seattle and they wanted us to go to this horror movie convention to to like promote it. And I was like, okay, well, I've already shot the movie. I might as well go. And I went and I was walking through the tables and George Lutz happened to be there. He was going to be speaking. And I knew of the Amityville Horror. I knew of the movie. And I um, I went up to his table and we started talking. And we got on the subject of the paranormal. I was like, well, I used to I used to do this. And he's like, oh, why'd you quit? And I explained it to him. And he's like, here's the thing. You have a sense of humor. I can see that. He's like, why are you not using that to, to work with other people and help them? And I'm like, I have no idea how to do any of that. 
So he's like, I can teach you. And he was going back out on the road. So he offered me uh, every, I, for like three different summers, I traveled on the, on the road with him. Uh, and well, he would do, he would do like these lectures at night, mm. but during the day he would do local cases in the area hmm. and help families. And so I, I would travel with him do, and learn all this stuff from directly from him. Wow. So you think that stuff is real? Because I know there's like controversy that like they kind of embellish some of the stuff for the book and the movie. Um, but I think Jeff Belanger interviewed him and he was saying, no, it's a lot of that stuff was legit. It happened because that movie scared the shit out of me when I was a kid because it said it was a true story. And when you're a kid, you're like, OK, that shit's going to happen to me now. <laughs> well, the beginning of it's a true story, right? Where the I mean, the, the murder in the house, the murder right? definitely happened for sure. Yeah, that's correct. Oh, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, you know, Jay Anson, when he wrote the book, he took some liberties, he took their story and he, and he added things. Um, and the Lutz family was the first to tell you that, but there was also a lot of stuff that was way more intense than anything in the book that they never talked about publicly till the end. Really? Like what? So like the last night in the house, they never like, they also, I mean, that's the other thing is that in the, in the, in the book and the movies, they leave in the middle of the night. And that's yeah. not what happened. They lasted that last night and they intended to go back to the house. They just wanted to get it fixed and go back. Um, but the last night, um, Kathy levitated out of the bed and started going up the side of the wall. Um, and he, he couldn't move and he was trying to, to sit up, but he couldn't. And he said that at that point, he sat up straight up in bed and two voices came out of him at the same time. His own voice screaming, it's in the boys room and this weird, deep guttural wail that was behind it. Um, their dog was like spinning around in circles on the ground. It would throw up, it would stand up, it would spin around in a circle. And he, they could hear the beds upstairs slamming up, up and down. And, and the boys, they are a little more hesitant to talk about what happened that last night publicly, but... Um, you know, they said that they would, they saw these hooded figures roll into the room. So there was a lot of other stuff that's not in the movies at all. That was 10 times scarier than what was there. Wow. That makes me more scared. <laughs> Shit. I thought I was over that. I got older and I was like, it's not real. It's not real. It's just a movie. And now you're making Dude. me scared again. <laughs> I mean, when do you have kids? You'll wake up at two in the morning and then she'll just be standing over you staring at you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the kids are. That I is mean, scary. that story is scary, that, yeah. but kids might even be more scary. But you worked with paranormal no, stuff too. I, I was in both worlds. I will tell you, I have, I've been 10 times more afraid of stuff that my kids have done than the paranormal. Well, you said that uh, having a kid, this is an interesting way to put it. You said it's like the kids are suicidal. Like they're always trying to kill themselves and your job is to make sure they don't kill themselves. They're, they're always throwing themselves into the face of danger. Correct. Yeah. They have no, they don't, they, they have no like self-preservation qualities at all. They no. just, it's constant. They're kamikaze always. My kids are afraid of imaginary monsters under their bed, but they'll just sprint right out into traffic. They have no... Like, there's no record. Like, if two food groups touch on their plate, absolute meltdown. But if a dude in a van offers them a lollipop, they're gone. That's the end <laughs> of those kids. You'll never see them again. So, oh, that's great. You know, there's no logic yeah. to how they survive. It's uh, crazy. Yeah. There's no manual. There is no, no manual. <laughs> it, it's got to get easier with some of that stuff, though, the older they get, right? You know, it's you listen. And here's the other thing I will say. Jason and I bitch and moan, and it's a Monday, and we're like, you know. But, you know, I, you know, 
we love it. You know, we're, we're, we're misery loves company. Yeah. I mean, that's half the fun of our show is like we get up and we tell horrible stories, but that's where the fun is really. Like even, even this morning trying to get them out. I, I mean, I, I play a curmudgeon. I think I'm almost become this character. And I think Jason has too, in a degree, even earlier, I'm thinking about the first 10 minutes of this podcast where I'm like, it's terrible. Don't have kids. It's almost become this self-fulfilling character. I've started to play. Uh, I mean, the joke is, is like, you know, we didn't fall into this. We chose it. I chose it pretty late in life, but I, uh, yeah, I think that's smart though. Great, don't you? You know, they're great. I've gone, I'm going to go pick them up and yeah. we're going swimming. This day. I took them to the beach yesterday. We went boogie boarding. Like it's, don't you think it's, it's actually pretty great. It's smart. That, Cause you say you chose, I think you were, was it 49 or something when you, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm 50 years older than my daughters. Yeah. So that. That's smart though, because I feel like once in your twenties and thirties, like once you start getting older, it's like, yeah, like what else do you have left to do? If you're not going to, if you're going to have kids, like you might as well have them a little bit later. If you have them in your twenties, then your twenties are spent raising kids. And then my thirties and forties were pretty great. I was on a show, my boys, the run of my forties and just, I had a bank full of money, ate out every night, slept every morning. And then I thought to myself, how can I put an end to this? And then we had some kids, but no, it was great. It was great. I, you know, it was great, but it was, it was, it got to the point where every year was the same and all my friends were married. That's the other thing about, Mm, if you want to stay the single guy without kids or something, you, you know, half the fun. Now, like we even went to a barbecue at one of the other kids' parents' house last night. So like, they're all great people. It's super fun. And before that, when I was the single guy living in a rent controlled apartment at the beach, you know, I didn't get invited to anywhere. Like, mm. like the only time I ever get a call was when some dude was like, you know, he and his wife were having a huge fight. And he's like, hey, you want to go to Vegas and get fucked up? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Tuesday, <laughs> why not? I got nothing else going. I'm a single guy living in a, in, you know. But now I have one friend like that. And, you know, he he was talking about dating recently. And he was like, oh, man, I was out on this date with this girl. And. You know, maybe 10 years ago, I would have been like, oh, really? What was that like? And now all I think of is like, that sounds horrible. Well, that's <laughs> what I, yeah. So that's one thing I missed out on. having kids. Yeah, I don't have kids, but I mean, I've been in a relationship for like 10 years. So I missed out on the dating apps, like the Bumbles and the- um, Me too. I never did And the, uh, what's the other one called? Bumble and- uh, I forgot what the uh, match.com. No, no, no. There's like the other one that's, it's like a bump. Anyways, they have, they have farmers, these farmers only. They have all no, but they have these apps now where you just swipe left and right. I mean, it yeah. seems like the most superficial oh, like thing. Tinder? Tinder. That's the one. Yeah. So did you guys ever have an experience with that or did you, were you in relationships before that? I never, I never dated I, online. I had one. I had one. And I, 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 I joined a Disney dating site because we're all Disney fans. <laughs> and it got weird. Interesting. It got weird really quick because she was like, what if I dressed up as Minnie Mouse and you let, and I let you lick my toes? I'm like, you know what? I, no. I, just, that's, I have no, no interest in, in that at this time. But I have your contact info. And should I get to that point later, uh, I will give you a risk. <laughs> That is super weird. No, so oh, that reminds me. Speaking of toes, Bigfoot. Tell me about this Bigfoot documentary that you did. You were in a Bigfoot documentary. I was, yeah. So we. Why met are you shaking your head? What? What? Right. We, we met a guy who was basically if Elmer Fudd and Rambo had a baby, 
Um, and he was a Bigfoot hunter and we were like, well, we got to go out with him. I mean, he, he's, he's offering to take us in the woods. He literally had a, a high powered Russian, like a Soviet powered assault rifle. And he took us out into the woods. We were just teenage, like we were like 18 to 21 years old and we're out in the woods with this guy and he is looking for Bigfoot and he's like, he was uh, his, to give you an idea. His motto is. Always save the last bullet for yourself. That's what I dealt with. Okay. So we, we got out of the woods with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, no, but it so was an experience. this makes that this part even, uh, more scary then because you tried to, so you tried to measure your foot, um, against Bigfoot's, uh, like a, uh, a Bigfoot print. And did you ruin the Bigfoot print? I did. I stepped in it. And I oh, said, wow. You've really done your research. Yeah. I've never had anyone do this much research. <laughs> No, but so the guy's got a gun, and was he pissed? No, 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 because like, if you knew the guy, you'd realize that I'm far from the first time that that, I, that anything has gotten screwed up by him. Like, like it's kind of his call in life. Well, he besides, lives in my could, town. Okay, he could also just make another Bigfoot print somewhere else down the road. I oh, you think it's fake? <laughs> so you guys don't believe in Bigfoot? I mean, I want to. I wish that he was. Can anybody keep a secret that good? Uh, anytime it's like it's not, nobody can keep a secret. If there if there's a Bigfoot out there, he he they, they'd find it. Hmm. But they are discovering new species, right? At the bottom of the ocean. The bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Maybe there's Bigfoot at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. If there's a big, yeah, maybe. Well, there's all these new theories that it's like a trans-dimensional being and he just dips in and out. Like, that's kind of the, the, the trending new thing. So, like, or I guess it's not really new, but it's that's kind of like what people say it is now. So I have no idea, but do does I want he, him to be Does he real? have the Tesseract with him or does he does he carry the yeah, Tesseract? Exactly. Exactly. Was that the Marvel thing or something? I guess. I think it yeah, makes, you, it makes you go from dimension to dimension. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like that. Okay. I'm not a big Marvel guy, but I, I think I saw a picture of you with holding that. Like you have a model Jason of it is. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Jason has his own Tesseract, I believe. I do. Yeah. I made one. Oh, you I'm made that? Guy, so I built, I, I, yeah, I build props and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Cause I oh, saw it a- and I go, dude, that looks cool. What is it? And then I was like, oh wait, that's from the Marvel movies. Yeah. You're a cosplay guy, but apparently you don't want you don't want to bang Minnie Mouse. <laughs> So what? Who would you want to bang? Oh please, Black Widow. He'd be all over Black, Black Widow. Widow. Okay. I did already did. Um, that like uh, Black Widow, Catwoman. I would have done the Invisible or like Sue Storm. Sue Storm. Any of the X Men girls. Sure, Robin. You would have done Robin. <laughs> oh no, that's DC. Never mind. That's DC. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a DC. Guy. What about the Flash? Wait, so him being a man has nothing to do with it. It's because he's it's because he's DC, not because he's a man. Yeah, yeah, that's that has nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. That's standard. Oh, Oh, you guys are cracking me out. This is funny. I I hate everything Jamie Kaler chooses to be. Uh, What? I know. That's why we get along so well. Um, it's all good, man. He's my my Marvel buddy. That's great. No, but uh, Jamie, you do Robot Chicken. 
That's so I cool. Do. Are you still doing that? Is that show still on the air, or is it all? It, it actually is. I haven't done one in a while, but I anytime they uh, bring back the bloopers host, that's who I played the bloopers host. Now join us for more bloopers. Is that is that? I did a, like thirty episodes or something. Voiceover work done. has to be the best, right? You just you say you go oh. in and you twenty minutes and you're in and out. And Seth Even Green's the directing. Pandemic, I do a voice on the Loud House, and they. Uh, they just sent the equipment to my house and I did it in my closet and just set the microphone up and I was on the computer with the guys in the booth at Nickelodeon and they were just like, all right, say this line. You'd be like, Lisa Loud is coming in. And uh, and they recorded the, yeah, voiceovers. The best. <sighs> I had a Carnival Cruise Line campaign that was fantastic that ran for, I was the voice of Carnival Cruise Line for like a year. And uh, I did all these commercials about, like, your vacation sucks. You know what you should do? Come on, Carnival Cruise Lines, where you're going to have a fantastic time. And then Carnival Cruise Lines had um, that little problem with the, uh, the the toilets overflowing throughout the whole ship or whatever. Remember Oops. they had, like, a shit show on the Carnival Cruise Line? I feel like there's so many cruise horror stories that I've Dude. never been on a cruise either. So, I had recorded like nine different commercials and they were all running and I was making, it was great money. And then out of nowhere that happened and it got huge news in the Gulf and everyone on, got on sick on board. It was before COVID even. It was some other, like literally they had a Ebola or something on there. I don't know what happened, but so the whole campaign of like, your vacation sucks. Come on, Carnival Cruise Line. That campaign didn't work anymore. So they <laughs> yeah, literally one day just stopped airing whoops. it. And then they hired a woman. And they changed the whole campaign. And instead of me going, your vacation sucks, it was a woman who was like, hey, Carnival Cruise Line can be real fun. Don't you want to give it a try? It was a girl's voice. And uh, they totally changed the whole that's campaign. That's totally yeah. different. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. But that's good. I had, dude, I was, uh, this is crazy. I was um, Crash Bandicoot. Do you Crash Man? Did you ever play that game? PlayStation? I was I so, in the commercial campaign. I'm Crash Bandicoot. I have old spots of me. I have the little cutout face with Crash Bandicoot. And I'm like, ha ha! And I'm smashing a guy in a hospital. I did a couple spots for them. Oh, wow. It's crazy. Yeah. What? This, just before, uh, it was like 1999, maybe 2000. And so I was supposed to be, they go, campaign was killing it. And they said, uh, Hey, we're going on a 25-city international tour. Japan, London, Paris. We're going everywhere with you as Crash Bandicoot. I had like a like a deal for like a half a million dollars to be Crash Bandicoot and cruise around the world. It was going to be insane. And then this little thing happened called 9-11. Oh. And nobody could travel. And literally, they were like, I sent my passport info. They were booking all the flights. September 11th happened. Bye-bye. So it went from high, high to low, low. And I couldn't even complain about it because it's 9-11 and I can't, you know, people were like had suffered serious loss and and lost family members. And it was horrible and, and catastrophic. And then I would be like, yeah, I lost a job. I lost a ton of money. Because yeah. of nine eleven, but I couldn't. I couldn't tell anybody. You my can't complain brain. about that. Yeah, I literally lost a half, like a half a million dollars. I lost for like would have been six months of work. Wow. Yeah, that is that's shitty. But yeah, you're still alive, so that's. Good. I'm still alive, yeah. so I have no right to complain. No, that's true. Um. Oh, Jason, I was going to ask you about this show that you did this time next year. 
explain. This sounds like really yeah, cool to yeah. me. It's like people, they, they make these extreme changes over 12 months. Um, but I couldn't find it. I only found like a, a British version. Are you in the British version? Is there two versions or what? So it, it, there were like six different versions of the show. There was a British version, an Australia's version, oh, okay. an American version. Uh, I was on the American version, but my episode aired more in Britain for whatever reason. So I don't, I really know. So anyway, I, I lost like 70 pounds on the show. Damn. Um, and I, and I had some health stuff. I actually proposed to my wife on the show. Oh, wow. That's really, yeah. Cause I, I saw a couple like uh, previews and it was like, dude, this stuff breaks your heart. It's like these, these kids that there was a kid without hands and like a girl without, didn't have kidney and stuff. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to get my dad's kidney or something. I'm like, Oh my God, this is so, uh, terrible. Like, it's just like heartbreaking to watch this stuff. So yours yeah, is more, so we flew out. We did like an interview with, with Kat Dealey. Uh, she was the host. And then you, you made a pledge of what you're, what by this time next year, I'm going to yada, 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 yada. And mine was, you know, I was going to lose, lose a bunch of weight and trying to get into this superhero shape. I did lose a lot of the weight, but I never gained the muscle. Mm. Uh, but they built me like a Marvel, like they had a Marvel costumer guy, build me a costume for the show, uh, which I still have. And then on the show, I told them, I'm like, Hey, what if I propose to my wife when I come back and do the end reveal? And they, that's what they did. They had me um, come back and um, uh, and I proposed to Melissa on the air. And she said yes, obviously. <laughs> Two twins, yeah. The, the twins later, yes. Yes. <laughs> well, that show wrecked. That show wrecked your life. <laughs> I'm more interested in the guy with no, no hands. What ha- wait? What happened with the guy with no hands? No, it was like this little girl, and she had no hands. And I just saw the print, and then and she goes. I'm going to get hands. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like so heartbreaking. And oh, like, yeah, they built, they, and they built her the robotic yeah, prosthetic they, hands. I do remember her. Yeah. I never met her. She filmed the different, because they would bring us in in big groups and we would oh, film okay. like sections. But some of the people we shot with, I'm, I stayed friends with. Mm. So you talk about Marvel and the superhero costume. So were you, a, is it true you're an extra in, in the dark Knight rises? Is that right? Cause I saw it on IMDb, but I didn't know if it was wow, accurate. You really, no, that's I'm so impressed. That's on IMDb. Um, yeah, well, uh, yes, I was. I, I was. A, it was a U five line. My lines got cut, but you can still see me um, when they break out of the side of the of the jail. You, if you look on the right hand side, uh, you can see me for like an eighth of a second walk out. Okay, and then Jamie, you were in a uh, the, the Christian Bale movie too. The one where he's a uh, what's the one where he's Dick Cheney, right? Vice. Vice. So you guys both worked with Christian Bale, sort of like. Did you guys know about the te- uh, Terminator uh, tantrum that he had before you went on set? Because that would like definitely change my. Uh, I did. Oh, you yeah, did. I okay. Because he had already shot that, and that he's like, "You're never gonna work again, mate." Like he loses his mind on the uh, the guy's lighting everything in this in his eye line. Well, I kind of agreed with him. I was like, "Yeah, no, that guy." Should be. <laughs> and I've heard from other people who said, "Yeah, that guy won't stop lighting. He's like tinkering with lights while they're oh, shooting." Oh, really? So he yeah. was justified he to yell, for that. "Scream at Honestly, that guy!" He was crazy nice. Like I said, really? Man, okay, that's good to hear because he is one of my favorite actors. I mean. He's one of the best. Who's better than Christian Bale? He is an insanely good actor. Because he was, I walked up to set. I only worked one day. In my Mm -hmm. scene, I sat next to him. I play a lieutenant colonel in the war room, and I sit next to him. And he sits down. Like, he's standing. When I walked into the room, I was like, I didn't see him at all. I go, oh, he's not here. He's not here. And then I looked over, and I was like, 
Oh my God. And it was Christian Bale. He was Dick Cheney. I mean, he's got the shaved head. He's also a big dude. Like he was big and he put on all this weight and you're like, all I could see was Batman, but he wasn't. He looked just like Dick Cheney. But isn't it a fat suit? That's, he, did he put on the weight he himself? He's got a big suit. No, he put on a ton of weight because his wow. face, everything, he did have, he was helped. Yeah. But you, he looked like Dick fucking Cheney, man. I was like, holy shit. And so he, but he, he, uh. He leaned over. He's like, and he he talked like Dick Cheney because he got the British accent. So he didn't. He huh. spoke like Dick Cheney. He talked like that. He's like, "Hey, nice to meet you. I'm, my name's Christian." And I go, "Yeah." I know. In character, wow. In character, he did. He kept the voice. Wow. Um, he was dude. You know when you work with people like that, and you're just to be like, I, I barely was in the movie, but mm-hmm. to be a fly on the wall in the room with him and Steve Carell was across the table from me. Carell was even more professional. Carell was not, he's not like a jokey guy. Um, they were like, hmm. it was like they were doing brain surgery. I was like, wow. even, cause I'm like always joking on set. Yeah. Work on, and these guys were like dead serious, but the f- film was super funny. And Adam McKay was even cra- crazier, better because it was oh, he's an insanely good director. Step brothers. And he, it's amazing. They had a speaker system on the state. It was a huge set. It's like this crazy set. And um, they had a war room all built. And I'm sitting at the table next to Christian Bale across from Corel. And they've already, it's the last day of filming. They'd already been working for like three months together. And I just, you know, it's really hard. Actually, I walk in and I'm like, I don't know anybody. Nobody's director. Nobody has spoken to me that this uh, AD just goes, uh, you're going to be right here. And I stand there and I'm like, okay. And so I'm standing there super nervous. I'm kind of nervous. You know, I don't want to fuck it up. And uh, out of nowhere, all of a sudden I just hear action. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh shit. What the fuck is happening? I'm like melting. I'm like, oh shit. And so I'm trying to remember, I only have like two lines, but I'm trying to, and they're super technical about like, I can't even remember them. Like the, uh, the air force will be coming in with, and was, so I'm in the back of my head. I'm like, what's my line again? Cause normally you get to set and people talk about the scene for a second. Oh, okay. and they all, we kind of run the lines once or twice. They yell action. And I'm like, holy shit. And mm. as it's getting closer, it's like a three page scene and it's getting closer to my line. And I'm like, fuck, I'm going to be the guy out of nowhere. Cause I can't remember. Yeah. And I'm like, here we go. And I'm just waiting to go. I'm out. I don't know my line. <laughs> so my heart is pounding. Oh, I'm absolutely like pounding. I'm like, oh, shit. And it gets like two lines before me. <laughs> I'm like totally panicked. And they yell, cut. And all they were doing was they were shooting the entrance where Carell walks down the hallway. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, and then God. I was totally panicked. And... uh they shot that for like four hours. I didn't say my line for like another, I don't know, six hours. Oh, they had okay. lunch. Then they came back. You know, when you shoot T, like I'm used to shooting TV where they shoot the whole thing in like in order. Okay. And on a film like that, they shot for 90 days. They probably shot, you know, a page a day, page mm. and a half a day. That's all they shoot. So they shot that thing from everywhere. And Adam McKay would sit there. He's so talented, dude. It's crazy. They would run the script. But then he would just yell over the intercom and say, say this, say this. And they'd riff and they'd riff. And I was like, wow, it was crazy, funny and brilliant. And when you see something made of that caliber with that type of talent, you go, oh, yeah. Oh, these people are really super talented. You know, you forget just how talented like 
Meryl Streep, De Niro. Like these people are, they're really good. It's pretty great to see. What like, a, I've been yeah. lucky enough to and you see got that to, in a handful of films. Yeah, and you got to work with Gene Wilder. Who else? What other times have you guys been starstruck? Gene Wilder was the one that kind that was of, the one. I was like, yeah, All Willy we, Wonka. I had a yeah. So the first, I booked the job and I show up and it's like I'm I'm stand, It's like the only I've only done a handful of sitcoms. I'm like barely acted in my life and i'm sitting there i'm like that's fucking gene wilder and so they go okay let's put the scene up on his feet and we're running it and everyone else is so professional but i can't get out of my head i'm like that's that's willy wonka i'm like doing a scene with i'm like i'm so blown away by the whole thing and i suck i'm like oh, i'm gonna get fired i'm gonna get fired i had to go into the dressing room and like look in the mirror and talk to myself and be like you got this you can do it fuck that guy he's just gene wilder what do you care <laughs> You know, yeah, I had to talk myself into it because I was like so nervous about like, holy shit, it's fucking Gene Wilder. But then as soon as you do, it's like he was like the quietest, nicest guy you ever met. He, he had a bit in the show where he has to tear a card up. Will hands him a birthday card and he tears it. And he's so meticulous about his craft. He, I saw him. He he, he talked to the production assistant. He's like, could I get a handful of cards, please? And they brought him a whole <laughs> wow. stack of cards. And I watched him. And he practiced tearing it in different ways. Each card. The Interesting. First one, super slowly. Then he, he would pick up another one. And he would tear little pieces of it off. One at a time. <laughs> one at a time. One at a time. Huh. And then he tore it in half. Tore it twice. Tore it three times. Like he went through like ten cards to try to figure out which one's the funniest, or yeah, what was the funniest way to tear the card? And what did he and decide? If you on? ever watch the episode again, you'll see he chose it. He te- I forget exactly how it's he Will and Grace, it. He right? Tears it super slowly, okay, and he stares at Will the whole time, and he just goes. Shh. <laughs> and you, I watched it. Okay. I was like, and he was like this. He wasn't anything like he was on camera. He was super quiet and and demure and just interesting. Like, oh, he was the first one on set. He was the nicest guy. And uh, I like hearing those stories more than like uh, the Chevy Chase stories, you know, because I love Chevy Chase. But then you hear he's such an asshole in cl- behind closed doors. I've heard he's the worst person on earth. But yeah, <laughs> the worst person on earth. Who'd you hear that from? Uh, anyone who's ever worked with him. <laughs> oh, so you, you like, but personally, not just like on YouTube or whatever. Now, I know some people who worked with him and they were like, yeah, he's a, he's a terrible person. Any, any good stories there? No, not that I, not, not personal stories. Have you had any uh, bad reaction or bad uh, interactions with uh, stars, big stars? Uh, Sure. Somewhat. Most of the time it's not even like, you know, I'm a lot of times I'm like doing a line or two. So they don't. But isn't that like worse because then they can, they can kind of treat you like, like kind of like Christian Bale yelling at the lighting guy. Like, because he, he's such a bigger star than that guy. Like. You can, you know, you, you kind of have this power over, over, they have this power over you, right? I've worked on shows where the stars won't come out of their, you know, they're, they're like bitching and moaning and you're like, dude, like they did. And then I worked on, I did NCIS, Mark Harmon, like literally the coolest dude on earth. I worked with Clooney, couldn't have been nicer. Like, like you all of a sudden you see it, you go, I see why you're a movie star, dude. What'd you say, Jason? Anne Hathaway were super nice. Sue, that's awesome to hear because I like her too. Yeah, she's really hot. Yeah, she was like she. Well, and like in between takes, like she would like walk around and just talk to everybody. She was super yeah. nice. That's good to hear. People I like hearing those stories. Yeah, how I met your mother. Uh, uh, super nice. Yeah, I mean, some of them are just. What about um, King of Queens? Where the, did you get to like? Because every time I watch that show, I just I want to like hang out 
with those guys like Kevin James and Pat Nalls. Like they just look like so much fun to hang out with, but I don't know yeah, if that's just on the fun. show. Do you, you know, somewhat professional, you know, it's, it's not a party by any measure. Actually, the guys from Tacoma FD is a party. Oh, really? That does look fun, it too. It might be the greatest set I've been on. And the new season premieres uh, Thursday night this week. Oh, that's season awesome. I need to catch up on that. I watched one last night and I loved it. I, I saw that you're working with, um, what's this guy's name? Jimmy Jimmy Tatro, I think is his name. He's he's the, one of the Tatro's cops. in it. Tatro. Yeah, he was uh, Shuck. He played Shuck. Yeah, he is blindingly funny. He's on Home Economics now, I think. On ABC. Yeah, he was, so he was on this show called American Vandal. With I had a yeah. guest. I don't know if you know Ryan O'Flanagan. He's a comedian. So I watched that um, to prep for my interview with him. And I saw this Jimmy guy and I was like, dude, this Jimmy guy, who is this guy? This kid's hilarious. Hilarious. And, uh, I feel like he's like a, he's not a household name, but I feel like he could be. I, I worked with him on Tacoma FD. He was in the first episode I shot with him and I came home and I told my wife, I go, this kid's going to blow up. I, I thought he was one of the funniest people I'd been around in a long time. Oh, so even offset, like super funny. Yeah. Yeah, He's he's actually doing a ton of work. He's in home economics with Topher Grace on, uh, but he's, that's the thing, man. You know, like I always, I was always like the funniest guy in the room. And then all of a sudden you go to work with people and you're like, oh, you know, like Dave Keckner. You're like, you work with Dave Keckner. You're like, oh, you can be that funny. I had no idea humans could be that. Like there's just some people who you're like, wow, that, wow, that's super funny. You know, and those are the people who, who end up just blowing up. Right. The, so yeah, you guys had a uh, Keckner on your show, right? On Was it on the Parents Lounge or was that before you? He did, uh, mm-hmm. he was in another one with me. Our kids went to school together for a while. Just like shockingly funny guy. Just Certain people are just so crazy funny. Yeah, I mean, Jason's Jason's worked with a bunch of people like that too. Where you're like, wow, isn't it crazy? When you you know, you, that's why it's like you know, you get to a point where you just feel lucky when you do work because not we're all so replaceable. Like you know, in the arts, it's like mm-hmm. you know, when you're an actor, it's I love when people like Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's like one of the greatest actors of all time. I think yes, died. I love him, and they just recast every project he had going like overnight. They don't. That's true. Yeah, I didn't think of that. You know, it's like, I don't know anybody who's irreplaceable anymore. And you see people like, I always think I'm super funny. And then I see other people like, oh, that guy's like the, the, uh, the Tacoma FD is just one of the every scene. Like you, you had trouble keeping a straight face as you were shooting. It was, it was super fun. But that's the other thing I think. And, and Jason will probably back me up when you work on shows. It's like it starts at the top, whoever the EP and the star of the show is kind of dictates whether it's going to be a fun show or a crappy show. You know, yeah, they, however they go, like when on NCIS, Mark Harmon just wouldn't stand for anyone being a jerk. He was the nicest guy on earth. And and if there was a rumor of somebody else being a bad person, he, he I, I, it's just, they dictate how the rest of the show goes. And, you know, I've been kind of lucky that most of the shows I've worked on have been just with people who are just class acts. And super it seems like, see, that's what's so interesting. I worked in education and I, I, I was always scared of like Hollywood and stuff and, and rock stars and everything. Cause I always thought they were all like prima donnas and they were all assholes. But the more I, I meet with them and talk to them, it's, it seems like the opposite. Cause they're all like really happy cause they're doing their dream job. Yeah. I don't think people tolerate it anymore. I think those are the days of old when you could be a dick and get away with it. And I think nowadays people just are fed up with it. They go, they're not going to put up with bad behavior anymore. And if you behave poorly on set, it gets around and then you don't get hired for the next job. Mm. Yeah, because the phones are there now. People, as soon as that stuff starts, people are recording and it just goes. I think that's not just in television or film. I think it's in life in general. Like, mm. you just can't get away with stuff anymore. You know, 
No, that's true. And I mean, and in some of that stuff is, is good with like the me too and all this stuff. That's, that's the good thing about that. Calling out some of these assholes that are just being pieces of shit and, uh, we're canceling them. And that, that some of that cancel yeah. stuff is good. If, if people get canceled for, if they're pieces of shit. Yeah. I mean, people who are like picking on Uber drivers or something where you're like, dude, you, you know, you're on camera, right? Yeah. Like, I know you're drunk and you're in the back of an Uber screaming at this guy, but you know, he's filming you like wherever you are, you're on camera. There's no two ways about it. So I don't know why people think they can get it. I had a, I was at a gas station recently. This is a crazy story. And I told, I've told this before on, on ours, but I, uh, I drove away. I was on the phone with my wife. I forgot I hadn't taken the pump out of the gas tank and I drove away and pulled the pump off of the gas thing. I pulled the whole pump and the oh. hose, I broke it. Oh, shit. Yeah, with my car. And so I had to go into the gas station and tell the guy. And I got—I was like so embarrassed. I walked in. He was like, oh, here's the clipboard. Like it, it, it gets done like once a day, apparently. Oh, but when shit. I walked out, really? I didn't know that. It was a cop filling his, filling his car who I hadn't seen. He goes... He goes, actually, I thought you were going to drive away. And I was talking to the cop and I was like, do people drive away anymore? I'm obviously on camera yeah, everywhere. Every surveillance camera everywhere. Yeah. And wow. he's like, well, people still drive away. I go, well, people are people are stupid. It's the same with cops. They know they're being they have like chest cams on and still they. Oh, <laughs> I heard a joke. Uh, I think it was Fahim. Do you, do you know Fahim Anwar? Do you, do you know a lot of the L.A. comics at all? I know, I know who Fahim is. Yeah, sure. yeah, he's a, like he's got some joke about how like the the <laughs> technology has changed so much, but police body cams like still malfunction more than they should, or something. Like yeah, that. that's actually really funny. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Oh, it, didn't, it didn't turn on. Yeah, he's like, I don't know, the the body cam didn't work for some reason. <laughs> you can hear this you know, person getting beat. Another job where uh, you should weren't you were body cam for a while doing your crazy job, weren't you, Jason? Yeah, so my normal everyday job is still shut down until, you know, the moratoriums for eviction are done. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a process server for the Supreme Court. And so wow. I have to wear a body cam because people will lie until I say, we didn't get, we didn't, we, you didn't serve us. Or they'll tell, like, well, one guy said I slapped his wife. <laughs> and then, and like, obviously, I've never hit a woman at all because. I'm smaller than them. I look like a giant baby. <laughs> and so, like, they, they, uh, they gave, they, um, they pulled my body cam footage and they're like, he clearly didn't slap your wife. Duh. And then another time I had somebody say I broke into their house and the camera showed from the time I went until the time I left, I, I never even opened like their porch door, let it, let alone like walk in their house. So is it like that movie pineapple? Is it pineapple express is the one where he's the process server and he has to wear all the disguises. <laughs> do you do that? Uh, I have, I have been a pizza delivery guy more times than <laughs> I like, I care to admit. <laughs> That's and hilarious. So, so you say you I, pretend that you're I delivering a pizza up. and then you say you've been served, bitch. Well, you probably don't say I, bitch. I, so I, I, I got pizza boxes from a local pizza shop that were clean because I can't have a greasy, a greasy okay. summons. And I put the papers inside and I said, hey, is John Charles here? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Is that pizza for you? I'm like, this is for you. And they opened it up because it's obviously too light. And their summons is in there, but I've already... <laughs> Wait, they don't realize they didn't order. They're like, oh, somebody did a good deed and they ordered me a pizza. Like, because they obviously didn't order the pizza. People stop functioning properly when free food hits the brain. It's a, it's a, 
it just shows how bad of a person he was in the first place that he would obviously take somebody else's pizza. So he got yeah, what he deserved. It's somebody feeling. else's pizza. That's you're right. Yeah. What a piece of They shit. always do that when they uh they have a you know, when they do a roundup for a bunch of criminals, they go uh they send out emails that oh, say, yeah. Hey, you won two tickets to see oh, the doctor. Really? Is that what they do? Oh yeah. Interesting. Uh you won the lottery. They've told people they won the lottery and uh they'll show up, you know, with their kids unfortunately and then they get arrested and they, they get to call home and go hey come pick up the kids because i can't i can't drive the kid home oh shit yeah that's, that's crazy crazy dude this is good, good uh, to i know. can't believe jason you didn't dress up as iron man well I, I i the costume is hard to run in and sometimes i've been attacked so i would like if i fall over i'm not getting back on by the way you can't fly in that costume it's an iron man costume you can't fly <laughs> I'm a I'm an engineer, but not that good of an engineer. Oh, Jesus, you know Tony Stark, then man. Yeah. It'd be funny if you showed up to serve and you were like, they're like, "What are you doing?" You go, oh, "I'm here for the kids' birthday party." Oh, and this is for you. Yeah, that's that's true. That'd be a good one for a birthday party for kids' birthday. Right on. I have served. I had to serve during. I came during a family reunion once, and the people were all out there, and then I had to find the one guy, and they're all like, "It's him! It's him!" and like. I have to walk through this family who clearly did not like that I was there, but you never know if you're going to find them again. You just have to give it to them when it's time. Oh, that sounds like a you, horrible job. Do you tell people where you are at all times? Because I can imagine the family would be like, why don't we just kill him and bury him in the yard and then no one will know. So, so when I'm working, my phone has an app on it that logs exactly where my I am. That sounds like a dangerous so job. Get, it does sound like is, a horrible been, job. I have been, I have had a gun pulled on me four times and I was attacked by a turkey once. Wait, so why can't, so are you not doing like the, the paranormal stuff anymore? No, I still do. Oh, that's I just have, more uh, of a side a, job or something? A, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, sometimes it's, it's like, there's space in between them and we i mean we obviously have bills to pay so mm. in between the paranormal stuff like if there's a lull particularly in like the winter time um but like from like spring to october when halloween is paranormal's all over but from like november through april there's a lull so oh, okay um oh i do have um i have a there's two i have uh, I'm going to be in um, a documentary that's coming out from uh, the crew over at Planet Weird that uh, they, they has Hellier, their show Hellier that I did. Um, they're going to be, uh, the new documentary about a haunted artifact is coming out uh, this fall. Okay. Well, that's cool. And then, so, yeah, we got to talk about your podcast, obviously. So, again, it was like you each had your own dad podcast, and then you combined it into the parents' lounge so tell tell us tell them tell my audience about the, the I listened to a couple episodes. There it is. The, the got the logo if you're watching on YouTube. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, Jason. You take it. We it's misery loves company, and obviously <laughs> we were we were fighting through it, and so uh, we we joined forces. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, our buddy Dave Schrader from uh, the Holzer Files and the new uh, Lizzie Borden uh, show on Discovery Plus. Um, he. I was doing my dad apocalypse show and he's like, Hey, you know, who you need to have on your show, Jamie Kaler. Cause he's also, he also does a dad podcast too. And I had known Jamie from, you know, some of the paranormal stuff he had done. Uh, and, and when he came on my show, 
we just clicked. I mean, there's a, I mean, you, if you've seen the show, there's a back and forth. It's super oh, I'm seeing fun. it right here. I've seen and you guys have back and forth. And we, you know, we just, we just clicked on that level. And after the show was done, we're like, that was super fun. I was like, you should come back next week. And then three weeks later, we're like, why we should combine these into our, and, and the parents lounge was born. Is, did and that we help? Still we still haven't met in person. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. We've never, we've never met in real life. As far as I know, he's a 67 year old Vietnamese woman. I don't actually know. <laughs> does that help your numbers when you guys combine? Does it, does it help the podcast grow? Like you bring all the fans from, from each. I mean, it does at the beginning because mm-hmm. they merge a little bit, Yeah, but it, then you're on your own. You know, you're still, you know, trying to cut through the fog as I'm sure, you know, it's so funny because, you know, we've got our hardcore fans who just come for the parenting stuff. And then like anything else, the shows that are celebrity driven, you know, push numbers. Like right. We've had, we've had some good, you know, it's kind of crappy to a degree because he and I, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but at a certain point, it's like, I just love riffing about the day's events, but you know, you really got a book. It's about booking guests. How do you get those? Cause you had like Larry, the cable guy and you had David uh, Ketchner. Like, how do you know these? Is this just from your connections from working? Yeah, in it's all from shows I've worked on and, and Jason's brought, you know, that's how we got Belanger in there. We got a bunch of, it's just from our work and, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I have been in Hollywood for like 25 years working on different shows and stuff. So I've, I kind of have uh, people that I've reached out to, to come and, and, and they want to, because the thing about being a parent is that you want to tell people to create, like, you're, you're like, like most stories start with, you're not going to believe what my kid did this morning. That's every story that people tell on our show. And you're like, no, no, we're all going to believe it because it's all happened to us. And that was what the purpose of it was because we all think we're, going through this thing by ourselves, and and uh, but the truth is whatever we are living through right now somebody already lived through it it's already happened to almost everybody and you're like oh yeah that's what kids do that's what they do yeah mm-hmm. yeah, well, yeah I- like literally right now i had to come to the playground and put, take send my wife with the children to the playground so i could have the quiet during the daytime to yeah. do this interview yeah yeah, I think uh, for me, again, I'm not a parent yet, but I feel like if I ever do have kids, I feel like I'm going to be the best father because I've seen from so many other people like what what to do and like what works, but also so many people make mistakes and I, I learn from other people's mistakes. I see how they raise their kid and I go, oh, that's that's the bad way to parent. You guys must wait, see that wait, too, so right? so back up. I, can, you, can you tell us the rules? Because honestly, I'm, I'm still searching for how to do this because- well, I think it's a bad- no idea. I let's, so, let, let's let Chuck tell us how to parent. <laughs> I want to hear what he has to say. No, I learned. I'm just saying like what I'm saying, like what I learned not to do. I think it's a balancing act, right? Like, cause you see the parents that are like, they're helicopter parents, right? They're just like all in their kid's business. And then you see the parents that are just totally lax and let their kids, uh, you know, run wild. You got to be somewhere in the middle, I think. Personally, that's just what I is it, with teenagers especially. I don't know about with little kids. It's probably a little bit different. You kind of have to be a helicopter parent when they're obviously when they're two years old. But with like when they get a little older, yeah, like they're trying to kill themselves. Yeah, you kind of have to be that. But I think as they get older, I think you kind of have to find that balance. And I'm not. I don't know exactly where it is. I just know that's the extremes. The art, yeah, that's like what you just said was like explaining Carl Walenda. You know, Jamie, there's a wire between these two buildings. And I think when you, if you, the easy way to do it is just as you go across, just try to find the balance between the two. It's that simple. <laughs> just right, find the balance right, right. on it. But it's, yes, exactly right. But the balance is honestly, 
it it moves the the the, the goalposts move well, every day. Yeah, and I think the thing is too but is not like, only not only does the goalpost move, but occasionally like a four hundred pound gorilla will drop down on top of yeah. your your tightrope. Yeah, or a, suddenly the tightrope will catch on fire. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of this other crazy stuff. Well, and I, the other thing is too, is I think obviously you got to take into account individual differences. Every kid is totally different. Like, I mean, you could get a kid who's like totally obedient and plays by the rules. And then, but more often than not, you're getting a kid who's going to be more, uh, you know, misbehaving. And then you got to deal with that. So that's obviously going to be a throw well, big my twins started as the same egg. I mean, they were the same, they were a person and then they blah, two, two kids and they could not be more different. Like they just, they are not like other than looking alike. They are not the same in any way. Well, not just that, but the, one of the kids, the kid will be super, um, you're like, oh, okay, we have this duped in. Like one day she's, oh, she's good. She's being a good girl. Then the next day, no. So it, to say, you know, some kids are like this, they're all like that at different times. And then the second you think you have one age group figured out, they jump to the next age group and then they're totally dickish in their own new way. Mm-hmm. My daughter and I, we have conversations every day. I'm like, look, you're making my life hard, man. What are you doing? Making my life hard. She's like last night. We had such a. We go to this barbecue, whatever, and it's going great. Everybody's being cool, and then the people at the barbecue. It's like eight o'clock at night. It's a school night. I'm like, we got to go. And just as we're leaving, she breaks out the ice cream for the other for her kids, and I'm and my daughter sees the ice cream. It's like I want ice cream. So I'm I have to carry her out over my shoulder. She's kicking and punching me and screaming. Because she wants ice cream. And I'm like, I'm not letting you have ice cream at 8 o'clock on a Sunday night. It's not happening. And I'm like, literally, it's like I caught a hyena trying to get her into the car. And I, uh, you know, I put her down at the car and she started running back to the house. And I was like, what the fuck? You're not three. You, you like, yeah. She just was like, oh, I'm getting ice cream. And I was like, you're not getting ice cream. Ice cream is like crack to kids. Yeah you know smashed her into the car yeah no but i i think i i you guys have some good advice you, you obviously know more than me about parenting but um i heard uh no, we know we don't know anything more than you well no we, no no like it's like we went to vietnam and we you know i, I can say yeah i was there i got shot at but i, I don't know anything about it. i mean we're both still alive but that's just that's it i mean we have managed to live this long and that's if you as a parent can live this survive them and they don't go to jail you're doing your job mm-hmm. it's the best no. that's it's the best you can do right the but best. no jason the i heard you talking about some some advice that you had good advice like you said uh laughter is important you know making the kids la- laughing with them laughing together which is obviously easy for you guys to do well we're doing a show uh in two weeks and honestly i just wrote a big post because my album comes out this friday that i'm sure you will help promote but i yes uh, so i wrote a little post and the post was about because the whole album's about the pandemic. Okay, the fact that it's called homeschool. I, I homeschooled my kids for like eighteen months, like, which is not what you want to be doing at, at fifty six years old. But it, it was what it was, and it was super painful, like super painful. And I I wrote in the post. I said I was really proud of myself because I've always had the skill to laugh at adversity, and that honestly, I think that's where Jason and I really connect the most. The fact that. You know, listen, my wife sometimes, like, she bitches and moans about stuff. And I go, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? You got to laugh at it. Because otherwise, how would you get through this insanity? Because, I mean, we we complain about all this crazy things. But then you see, you know, 
there's a, there's a kid at my school that has cancer. You see somebody else has this horrible tragedy. And at the end of the day, my wife will lose her mind. And I'll be like, hey, the kids are healthy. We're not bankrupt. You know, there's bigger there's bigger things to worry about. So, you know, I, I bitch and moan. But I always like my wife bitches and moans. And I said, if you're going to do it, you got to do it in a comedic way. If you can do it funny, it's one thing. But if you're just going to be bitching and moaning, then it's it's awful. So you have to find the humor in everything because it's tragedy plus time, man. That's how it works. And mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah. So that's every week we end up telling insane stories about parenting that yeah. turn out to be pretty funny. Yeah. And I think it's entertaining. Even if you're not a parent, I, I still found it funny. So that's great. So Parents Lounge, the new uh, comedy album is called Homeschooled. Um, Jason, sorry. What was the thing you, you, you said you have something coming out too? What's it called? Yeah, they haven't announced the name of it, but okay. if you keep watching uh, the folks over at uh, Planet Weird, uh, the Museum for the Paranormal, the Newkirks, um, they are going to announce very soon when this this new documentary that's paranormal-based is coming out. Okay. Anything else you guys want to promote? Well, uh, we have a live show coming up, um, our very first live show. Oh. Jamie and I will finally be meeting in person. Uh, Sayre, Pennsylvania at the Sayre Theater, September 24th and 25th. Uh, 7 p.m. Uh, uh, Jamie and I are going to take to the stage uh, with the Parents Lounge live stand-up comedy show. Okay, sweet. And then do you guys have a charity that you want to give a shout-out to here at the end? Jason, you going? I mean, I'm a big... I, I'm, a, I'm a veteran, so I'm always into veteran charities, especially nowadays when they, uh, they deserve uh, all our help. But um, I, I don't have a very specific one. I've, I've worked I with like a lot. Me. Wounded Warriors, like I've worked me. with a lot. Wounded Warriors, yeah, I've had promoted that many times on this show. I'll, I'll put that in yeah. the notes along with your guys's, uh, do you have a, you have a website, right? I think, or should I just? Uh, we do, but most people find us on Facebook. Okay. On the, at the Parents Lounge. Um, it's everywhere. It's on YouTube, Spotify, names, Apple. Jamie Taylor and yeah. Jason Gowan. Uh, it'll pop up. And they the can follow you on social media and all that good stuff. So YouTube, yeah. uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch. iTunes. Yeah. All that stuff. iTunes. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well find us and let us know what you think. Okay. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, you can, We'll say goodbye to the audience. Goodbye, audience. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. All right. I want to make sure I thank Jamie Kaler and Jason Gowan. Uh, thank you so much for doing my show. And again, their podcast is called The Parents Lounge. So check that out and uh, follow them on social media to keep up with their other projects. Uh, again, Jamie has a, uh, a comedy album coming out called Homeschooled. Uh, you can follow them on social media, follow their YouTube, all that good stuff. You can also do the same for me. You can follow me on social media, subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm really pushing that one right now. Uh, write me a review of my podcast. And again, I'll, I'll read it on air like I did at the beginning of this one. And I'll give you a shout out. That's for a limited time only. I can't, I don't know if I can do that forever, but uh, at least right now while I'm waiting to get some reviews. I will uh, go ahead and read yours on air. So that's kind of fun. Uh, you know, sometimes with this podcasting business, you just, you feel like you want to quit, but you know, then you have an episode like this and I just had a lot of fun with these guys. Most fun I've had doing podcasting in a while. So again, I want to give a special thanks to them. Make sure to follow them, check out all their stuff. Thank you so much for listening and taking the time with this podcast. Have a great rest of your day and remember to shoot for the moon.